Hi, I'm Colin. And I'm Bert. And you're watching Dabbing with Washington Artists. The idea is simple. Six questions. And six dabs. As we interview artists that make Washington, Washington. So sit back. Light those torches. Because this is Dabbing with Washington Artists. Yo, it's your boy Seven the Panther. Locking in right now with Devin with Washington Artists. Thank y'all so much for tuning in, man. Um, y'all already know my new album, Here I Am, is out now on all streaming platforms. Don't forget Sevenmatic available with the purchase of Seven the Panther hoodies on Bandcamp. You can also check me out on YouTube, slash Seven the Panther. They gave me my own, they gave me my own URL. Check me out. You know what I'm saying? Panther Politics Podcast available on all podcasting platforms as well. Don't forget to check out Coachless, the docuseries. We got the short film Justice for All, episode two, featuring the Seattle Black Panther Party on the way. Seven the Panther, Sound Chamber Productions. One love. For today's series of dabs, we begin the episode with the Purple Kush, a Kimbo Kush, and an Alien OG, and we will finish the session with a Snoop's Dream, Green Crack, and a Super Silver Haze. So, uh, before we get started, I just want to say thank you for coming and joining us on our show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, for everyone at home, I'm by myself today, so hi. <laughs> All right, so uh, today we uh, got first up is a Purple Kush. Purple Kush is a hard-hitting indica known for its earthy smells and taste, common to the Kushes. We found these saucy diamonds with an impressive 5.5% terpene profile at a shop in Bothell on Route 527. There you go. Take that just off your hand there. If you want to clear it out. That's smooth. That's, yeah, that is really nice and smooth. So, uh, for our for our first question, uh, one we always go with here is, what role does cannabis play in your creative process? Oh man, that's a uh, <laughs> so now generally it's weird because uh, I don't smoke in the studio. Okay. However, when I write, always, <laughs> like, always, always yeah. yeah. Because normally I write at like the end of a day, so like. Well, I mean, throughout the day, I may do it while I'm working or whatever, but like just little bits. Well, like when I really want to lock in, I put my headphones on, turn the beat on, let's just put the beat on repeat, smoke until I'm done, and then I'm like, okay, time to write now. So um, it's a, it's always been a heavy part of my creative process for a really long time. So I mean, I used to smoke in the studio, but I realized that sometimes it affects my voice negatively. Okay, so, especially if you're gonna be doing the vocal parts yeah, and your you know songs and all like, that. I wait till after, you know what I'm saying? But uh, Definitely in the writing process. In the writing okay. and how beat selection process, I like to be a little like to be a little buzz. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It affects what how you feel about each beat and everything like exactly. that. I feel like I hear it I hear different elements of the beat, you know, when I'm when I'm high than I do when I'm not. You know what I'm saying? And yes. Even when I listen back to my own music, I can tell, okay, I was so when I recorded that. But now I hear certain things that like May have even escaped me when I was in the studio recording. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, this is kind of cool. <laughs> so, for our second dab here, we've got uh, a personal favorite of mine, actually, is the Kimbo Kush. Uh, uh, this is a nice uh, nice couch locking indica here. Uh, this nice heavy really, hitter. This smells really good. Kimbo Kush is a classic indica dominant strain that is known for its couch lock effects and fruity flavors. Testing in at an impressive 91%, we were excited to find this gem at a shop in Everett.
Perfect, perfect. So for our second question, how has living in Washington affected your sound? Wow, uh, okay. <clears throat> well, for one, living in Washington has uh, introduced me to a lot of different musical elements that I, that I, don't, I don't usually, I wasn't usually around. Uh, coming from uh, the scene in North Carolina, there's a, it's a good blend of sounds because you got people from the North and people from the South that converge in the same place. Um, but Washington has a very, to me, unique thing about it musically. Okay. Um, and I feel like since I've been here and I've been able to kind of hear how things move, it's given a, a different, like a melodic touch to the music that wasn't there before. It was basically just hardcore, you know, it's the East Coast. Okay. Okay. Um, but now there's a little more melodic, a, lot, a little more swing to it. Um, uh, listening to people like, you know, Raz Simone's music is really emotional. Um, uh, Pedro Luciano, like, I don't know, big black and blue fan, but, um, there's like, a lot of people out here whose music is so different from my own, but there are elements of it that I really enjoy. Okay. So I was able to say, okay, I like how he does that. Like, how can I adapt that into what I do? Take a little piece here, take a little yeah. piece there. Yeah. So it's definitely evolved the sound, and I feel like because the sound has evolved, it's also allowed me to evolve lyrically because I, now I can kind of do things in places that I wasn't able to do them before. So sure. it's been a big help, definitely. Moving to the Northwest is one of the best things I could have possibly ever done for my music. Oh, that's nice <laughs> to hear. That's nice to hear. <laughs> uh, and, and so how would you say your sound is different now than when you were when you started over in the North Carolina area? More melody, a little less, uh, more melody, a little less, sorry about that, a little less, um, okay. I think the best way to put it is this, the music has become a little more personalized now. Okay. Like, whereas before it was, uh, I mean, I spoke about my life, but kind of sort of in random uh, or in general terms, sometimes okay. to kind of make it more relatable. But now, like, listening to the music from here is very personal, uh, okay. very, you know, very person-driven, very, I'm not talking about everybody else, I'm talking about me. Like, I need you to understand what's happening with me. Um, and that was something that I never really put forth before. I was like, but now I feel a little more comfortable doing it because I'm around so many artists who are just like, yeah, man, just, just spill it. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not yeah, good. feel a little bit more comfortable to be open with, uh, with who, who you really are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Awesome. And, yeah, this is, man, I'm telling you, Washington is, uh, for those who are unaware, those of you listening out there, the Northwest, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the music guy is awesome. So, dab number three, we've got a uh, Alien OG, which I, uh, I like. It's a nice hybrid, and this one actually is really pretty cool. Oh, beautiful. Oh. As a matter of fact, I just had an Alien OG pre-roll last week. Alien OG is an indica-dominant hybrid known for its relaxing and cerebral effects. These beautiful diamonds tested out at an impressive 92%, and we found them at a dispensary in downtown Linwood. Beautiful. So for number three, uh, you just released a new album, yes, uh, Sevmatic. Um, can you tell us a bit about it? <coughs> Ooh, pardon me. Okay, well, the funny thing is, Sevmatic is actually, um, it was actually an old project. Oh, so, so, okay, so I just dropped an album uh, a few weeks ago called Here I Am. But I, I, uh, Sevmatic had originally came out in 2012. Okay. However... Uh, Sevmatic 
came out at the exact same time that Elzar released Elmatic. And I didn't know he was doing it. He didn't know I was doing Elmatic. Like, they just okay. happened to come out around the same time. And they were both uh, similar themed projects. Um, okay. The whole concept behind Elmatic is I took, if you look at the, the, the track list, that all of the names are the same as the songs on Elmatic. So <laughs> it was my interpretation of Elmatic because that's my favorite hip hop album. So, okay. Um, he did the same thing, but he had a live band replay the actual beats from Elmatic. I had all original beats, just the same song titles and concepts, and I just gave my own interpretation. Okay. Um, but since he dropped his, I kind of pulled it from everywhere. And I was like, nope, there's no need for us to compete in the same space. Um, so when I released the new Seven the Panther hoodie recently, I released Selfmatic in connection with that. Like, okay, if you get the hoodie, okay. you can get Selfmatic, or you can just buy it. It's up to you. doesn't matter. Nice. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I love the project because it, it speaks to... Um, I think it's probably one of my, my one of my more lyrically dense projects. Like it's it's really when I listen to it, I'm like, man, I wrote that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did that. Oh, that's crazy. But um, that's cool. You can say that about it. You're for yourself. You know, like I did that. I can't believe it. So yeah, here here I am is actually the more the more recent actual release. Okay. But a lot of people never heard of Cinematic, so like now they're just hearing it for the first time. Okay. Um, okay. And so I, it makes me feel good that people are kind of like gravitating towards it. So that's dope. Exactly. That's awesome. So for number four, uh, we got a uh, uh, Snoop's Dream. Oh. And. Uh, Snoop's Dream is a well-balanced hybrid that delivers a relaxing body high but won't leave you sleepy. With sweet undertones of berry and earthiness, this is a great strain for relaxing at the end of the day. We found this batter at a shop in Capitol Hill. For here, the uh, the COVID epidemic has wreaked havoc in the music industry, uh, with many artists completely falling out of commission. Um, but not you. Uh, this year, you've released three albums, podcasts, and YouTube projects. Um, what has inspired you to be so creative while others have been shutting down and stopped producing? It's, it's strange you ask that. Me and me and. Uh... Uh, my friend, uh, co- my friend and co-executive producer on Culturalist, uh, Sean O'Dell, we were just talking about that last night. Um, a lot of people view their creative process in relation to other people, mm-hmm. which is why the pandemic has completely shut them down. Mm-hmm. This happening has made me take a greater internal interest in what I do. Like for for a while, they kind of turned into that for me because you're so used to making the music, put the music out, go do the show. I had to get back to, okay, let me just, let me remember why I do it and what makes me, what makes me even want to give it to them. You know what I'm saying? So once I got back to that point, it just started coming. And so it was like, okay, um, instead of viewing the pandemic as a stop to production, view it as an opportunity to up your output without having to take as many monetary risks. So you're in a position to reap the benefits of what you've done while it was still, once it starts moving again. Exactly. So for all of these artists who aren't doing anything, they're waiting for everything to open back up to do something. While you're waiting to put that project out or to do that thing, as soon as it opens back up, two weeks later, I could be on the road because I got three three albums, about to drop another one in January. Um, we got Culturalist going. 
uh, the documentary, we got the docu series, we're doing short films, we got the podcast for that. I have my own podcast, Panther Politics. It's just like, man, look, I don't, I don't view something like this as a reason for me to stop doing what I do. It's only stopping me from being around people. Exactly. But if, if being around people is why you do what you do, you're probably doing it for the wrong reason. <laughs> you know, That's probably true. Yeah. And do you find uh, using the um, like social media and all that stuff has uh, made it a little bit easier to reach out even when people are not congregating into you know uh, to venues for shows and stuff like that? Or like, are you having an easier time reaching oh, yeah. out? Definitely. It's uh, not only that. It's it's um, for those of us who like my my bigger reach was always with the actual public. It was, my social media numbers have never been crazy. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But if you look at, you know, how many records I've sold and what my streaming numbers are, you would be like, wait, he has those numbers, but he only has this many followers. It's because I never put a lot of emphasis in, hey, come follow me on this. And da-da-da-da, no, just check out the music. I'm going to come to your city. We're going to rock out. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. But this has made me have to say, okay, wait, let me let me buckle in and, and touch these people who are digitally messing with it. And those same people I see in the show are on social media, too. So oh, I can yeah. reach them. I just got to let them know I'm here. You know oh, yeah. what I'm saying? So that that worked out. And then we've gotten like thousands of views on uh we did five pair freestyles uh with uh with my, my man Sean again and our sound sound guy and uh, also works on cultures every mess. Um DJ Dangerous, what up, bro? We've done several like live stream performances. Um and then uh and they've gotten tons of views and I'm like, okay, it's not the same as being in front of a crowd of people, but I can see the number of the crowd that's watching. Cool. <laughs> do you actually enjoy doing the, the online uh, concert? And do you think you'll keep doing them even after COVID's? I think I, I think so. Yeah, because uh, I think the advantage that it gives you is that it's really low overhead for one. Sure, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. For one, it's low overhead. Um, but but even more importantly, you talk. You want to talk about an intimate performance? Yeah, that is the epitome of an intimate performance. Like I have to just know that you're there or not care that you're there or not mm -hmm. and, and really get back in touch with this music that I'm performing. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's that's how I feel. You don't gotta feel rushed getting off stage for somebody but yeah. it's gonna be up next <laughs> and everything like that. <laughs> All that sound issues too actually. That's I love that. All right. So for number five, uh we got a good classic here in Cream Crack. Oh yes. It's gonna be nice and uh, nice and nice and dank here. Uh but it's a nice sativa dominant hybrid Ooh, here. Yes, Green Crack is a classic sativa dominant strain known for its charge of energy and tendencies to leave smokers chatty and social. We found this butter wax at a shop in Shoreline. Uh, for number five, it has been a long time since you released your first album. Uh, the wait is over. Uh, back in two thousand four. Yes, sir. Um, how have you? How have your sounds and lyrics changed over the years? Uh, um, like, what's what's different now than, uh, than when you started? Two thousand four, uh, when the wait is over came out. That was actually my first solo album. Okay. Uh, I was a member of a group called the Nobodies, um, and we released our first album in ninety six. Um, we, we, okay, strange thing, but our whole thing started from being on tour with KRS One and we weren't even actually a group. We just so happened to be standing next to each other when I was, okay. <laughs> I was supposed to be doing a hype man for KRS One for one weekend, uh -huh. um, because his brother couldn't come. Uh, his DJ wasn't available, so our DJ from our crew was going to be his DJ because our manager knows his manager, so he hooked it up. Okay. 
So we're there in South Carolina, in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, at, ben at Benedict College. We're there, and it just so happened that my man Knox is there because he's performing with somebody else that's also opening on the show. Well, it's opening on the show. But 112 is also on the bill. 112 KRS one strange combination, but whatever. Okay, cool. So, but the group that he, the, the girl that he's with that's performing, uh, 112 was complaining about how long her set is. So they tell him, tell them they gotta cut it down. So his part ends up being cut out of the show. So he's standing back there talking to us because we all already know each other. And so he was like, y'all together? And so my manager says, he looks at his light bulb goes off. Boop, yep, they're a group. <laughs> he said, okay, well, all three of y'all, come on, it's time to go on stage. So we did our thing that night and the chemistry was so automatic. Karis went immediately after, after the show said, listen, I don't need a hype man that bad. Y'all open for me for the rest of this tour. And we was like, okay. We got no songs. <laughs> we're, not, we're not even in a group. We got no songs. You know what I'm saying? So it was wild. We in the van riding to the next destination, listening to beats, making up choruses. We're not going to be in the room of each other rhymes, but we're making up hooks that we can do together at the show. So it was crazy. Anyway, so 2004, when The Wait Is Over came out, it was um, my first exploration dropping out, dipping out of that. We were like okay. super underground. Like we rapped really fast and all the concepts were over the top. And the, but, but I've always been a very grounded person. That was me walking into his world trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, so if you listen to the Nobody's music, then you hear the way it's over, it's like, whoa. Like, what happened? Like, cause I'm like, I'm talking about the streets and I'm talking about like everything I've been through up to this point. Cause what nobody knew was between the first Nobody's album in 96, the next one they come out in 2003. Mm -hmm. Because we both was in and out of jail <laughs> the whole time. So like, that's the, that's the reality I'm talking about on my first album. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about that as the Nobody's. That ain't our thing. Right. So boom, that comes and um at the time, you know, that was it, it was powerful and a lot and it started grab new people started gravitating to the sound because it was way more street oriented and it was just raw. Um from that point, I ended up signing with Domination Recordings. I did an album called Ride and High, an EP called Ride and High. And that was I started experimenting a little more with uh maybe not being so hard all the time, and maybe not having to be so street oriented all the time. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, to some other stuff. Um it was cool. But the, like what I consider my magnum opus was 2010 when I dropped Born With List. It's a 25 track album. Um, out of the 25, 18 of them are actual songs. Some of them are skits with me talking, kind of narrating the story because it's basically just a story of one day. Okay. Uh, in the life of, in the life of somebody who's, uh, living in a state of poverty. You know what I'm saying? So, um, to me, that's, that's probably my favorite album of mine. Um, that's like, well, that's my baby. I ain't gonna say it's my favorite, but that's my baby. You know what I'm saying? So, totally, totally. Um, but at that point was when I decided to stop cursing when I rap. So okay. I haven't cursed on, I mean, I, a couple of times I did it just messing around, but overall I haven't cursed on a record since 2010. So, um, that in and of itself started changing things because now I have to use different, different words. I have to find sure. another way to say it. You know what I mean? So that helped evolve the lyricism. Um, and also at that time, I'm starting to meet more people because I'm starting to travel and do shows on so meeting new sure. producers with new sounds. And it's like, whoa, this sound is kind of bringing something out of me I never wrote before. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, um, to me, that's kind of been the thing that's pushed my career forward every time. Like, it's like I do a project, I travel, do shows, meet new people. Oh man, the next project's totally, like, not totally different. It's still got the same heart, but maybe it got a, a finger transplant or something, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a little, it's a little different, but, um, and that's been, that's been the beauty, man. Um, evolving lyrically has been 
a natural thing. It hasn't been a forced thing, so that, that, that makes me happy. And the music has become far more socially conscious as I've gotten older because I don't feel the need to not talk about it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a child of the revolution, you know what I'm saying? My dad was a Panther. I'm a Panther. So at the end of the day, it's there. Why not talk about it? Like, it's stuff out here that needs to be said. Yeah. And if I can mix it into this while I'm doing this bop and I got these bars and you think the punchlines is cool, but then at the end of the day, you, would, you think back and say, wait, did he say, gotcha? <laughs> gotcha. There you go. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much where the evolution is taking it, man. Um, it's become more socially conscious, but also since I came here, which to me has been like the cherry on top, I don't feel like... Um, the deeper emotional side of myself has to be caged anymore now. Like I can talk about, oh, I feel, I don't feel good. Like mm -hmm. everything's not all good. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not fine. And I don't feel bad for telling you that. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. like, yeah, that's pretty much what it's at. So for this, uh, the last one here, we got number six, uh, right at the finish line, we got Super Silver Haze, which is a, a local favorite, I know. Uh, but it's got some nice, nice, nice color to it too. Mm. Oh yeah, real orange. <laughs> oh yes. Ooh, right. I need to get that in the cologne. Right. <laughs> Super Silver Haze is a sativa dominant strain known for its uplifting and energizing effects. With the pungent skunky smell and peppery, almost spicy taste, this strain is a Washington favorite. We found this shatter at a dispensary in Seattle. Washington, my tolerance is going through the roof. That'll happen, man. <laughs> four, I just moved here four and a half you, years ago. Five years ago, if we was doing this, I'd be asleep right now. Just like, yeah, let, me, let me go lay down real quick here. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are at the last one, number six. Um, your music, as you were talking about before, is very lyrically driven. Um, do you find it's difficult to get your message across against the rising tide of like the auto-tuned mumble rap that's kind of going on now? Or uh, do you find that it actually helps uh, stand out instead? Mm. That's a two-tiered question. <laughs> or a two-tiered answer, rather. Sure. Um, as far as streaming and so forth and so on, I think it's a bit of a disadvantage being the type of artist that I am, and not necessarily delving into that. Like some of the artists who are, like J. Cole will dabble in it a little, just to, mm -hmm. just to bring the people in. Kendrick Lamar do it a little. Some of that, I'm not doing it. I just won't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't got no regular label telling me I have to, so I'm not doing it. And, um, so I think in, the, in that sense, it's a bit of a disadvantage sometimes, because when people are riding in their car just vibing out, sometimes I understand, because I hear it, and I'm like, I get why you riding around to that music. Like, I kind of want to ride to it too, but I like bars, so I'm not going to do it. So. Um, it's a disadvantage in that case, but I think as far as like live shows and when you were when you're talking about um, being able to create an online presence by like releasing like I'll release a video every now and then just be rapping to a beat. My brothers like my whole clique will do that, and when you do that, you see the comments and you be like, man, is there so many people say, man, I miss this. Like people don't rap like this no more. Like and um, and when you do a live show when there's twenty people going. Da, 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 and then you get up there and you like, one, two, da, 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 and dropping on them, they be like, whoa. One of the things I loved about listening to your music, getting ready for this one, is it felt very 90s, it felt very like, like 
old school like hip hop rap and chill. it just yeah I loved it I loved the sound it was it was uh oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like very nostalgic take I like to take the very the, like just like the nineties nineties hip hop raised me you know yeah. in a lot of ways and um I tell people all the time I'm like oh you you gotta understand with me hip hop is not just what I listen to like I was born and raised in hip hop. My first recollections of hearing music was my mom's playing certain Motown records and, and other records, and I'm hearing hip hop records sampling these records. I'm like, Ma, that's all you play? Listen, you hear it? You know what I'm saying? Like, so hip hop is that's all I know. You know, since culturally, that's my life. Graffiti, breakdancing, DJing, MCing, fashion, culture, all of it. Like that's what I know. So like when I make when I make music, it. The whole purpose for me is like, okay, there's a, there's a point in time where I felt like hip hop was the best it had ever been. So if I'm still making music in 2020, but I can bring the essence of that with me. Absolutely. Those of y'all that went there to experience it, you're going to get a little taste of it right here. I mean, you could go back and listen to it, but if you want to hear it in the current, mm -hmm. I got you. Keep <laughs> saying, I got Keep you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Dabbing with Washington Artists. Please be sure to give us a like and follow for more content. And check below for links to the artists and their most current projects. And remember, with your support, local art thrives.